Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I am your host, Vincent Verhey. Joining me as we always do every Tuesday morning, FO Editor-in-Chief Aaron Schatz, NFL Contributing Writer Brian Knowles. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Good. Yeah, hanging I'm in doing there. well. I have a Patriots victory to celebrate, even if they Woo-hoo. did not play very well and nobody else in the country enjoyed watching it. No. Yeah. Uh, I, our, our good friend and colleague, Mike Neer, I believe, is currently watching this game yeah. and live-tweeting his thoughts and... It's it, it's no fun for him, but great fun for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think we're going to talk about that much today. The theme of today's show here in the FO Data Show is that it's kind of separation season, as we have a clear, I believe, top seven teams uh, that are kind of separated themselves as the, the the most realistic Super Bowl contenders, which we're going to talk about here one at a time. Uh, the first of which is the Philadelphia Eagles, who for a long time this year were they were the last undefeated team, and then I think the only I think they were the only one lost team, but they were not necessarily number one in our rankings. Well, that has now changed. Philadelphia Eagles, your number one team in DVOA after 14 weeks. Uh, Brian, talk to me a little bit about what these Eagles are doing. Uh, the Eagles obviously have been very good all season long, but they've really their offense has kicked it into another gear over the past three weeks. Uh, since week 12, they are leading the league with about a 34% offensive DVOA. Uh, they also lead the league in scoring at 41 points per game and, and yards and pretty much any other metric you want to measure teams by over the past three weeks. Uh, it's not like they were bad or anything before that. They were, they were at 20%. They were, you know, in the top three. But they have really, you know, over the past three weeks, they have kind of kicked things up into a, where instead of just being a good team, like, oh, that, that's a very good offensive team. The number one uh, uh, offense running on first down by over 10 percentage points. They just keep getting ahead of the sticks and pounding people over and over and over again in like demoralizing fashion which is what you want to see in for a super bowl uh contender you want you want to see them just destroying other teams and the eagles are, are kind of finally get, get, kicking into full gear there uh jaden hurts is now your current favorite for mvp because he's he's, te- he's taking a step forward and everyone else has kind of taken a step back over the past month he's the uh he's on pace to be the first player in nfl history with 50 pass attempts and 150 carries when he's doing it with incredible uh, efficiency on both the betting and the passing game, and just the Eagles are clicking on, on all cylinders. I uh, I don't quite get the Hurts as MVP favorite thing. I just I mean, I just feel like the Eagles are much more of a well-rounded team, whereas the Chiefs are much more carried by one guy. Like it's not best player on best team; it's most valuable play. Like who's the best player? Who's the most important player on the Eagles? It's Jalen Hurts, but who's the most valuable player in the league? It's Patrick Mahomes. Come on. I think I would agree with that in general, and especially because the Eagles do spread things out so much. Uh, like they're the only team in the league with three different players with ten or more touchdowns from scrimmage in Hurts, Miles Sanders, and AJ Brown. Well, you know, they, so they have they have a number of superstars all doing well. Well, yes, it seems like the entire Chiefs' offense is is Mahomes going to do something great? Okay, good, well done. Right. You know. And not only is that the entire Chiefs offense, their defense sucks. Yes, yes. Whereas the Eagles, def- the Eagles defense is very good. They are the only team to have five players who have five or more sacks. They had seven sacks against the Giants. Uh, they're only seventh in defensive DVOA, but that's just because their run defense was below average. And even their run defense has been much better now that they have Jordan Davis back and they have Linval Joseph and they have Nadama Kogsu and they have a bunch of guys they can rotate in the middle of that defense to stop the run. 
also when your offense is putting up 41 points per game, your, your opponents aren't running on you that much, so that well, your run defense doesn't matter quite yeah. so much. This is the theory of the Kansas City Chiefs for the last four years. So yeah, yeah. I, I think the uh, the the Hurts MVP case right now uh, comes down to just uh, total touchdowns, rushing and passing versus turnovers. And uh, I only noticed this yesterday, and I was very surprised by this. But Jalen Hurts has thrown as many interceptions this season as Patrick Mahomes threw against Denver on Sunday. So he's, he's doing a fantastic job, job of protecting the ball. And uh, yeah, not, he has, he has fewer negatives than Mahomes. He just has yes. also fewer super, like super positives and he's right. just getting you, more help. You need to do a deep dive into how much his rushing ability and, and, and the volume of his rushing ability changes what they do in when he when he hands off and also when he throws how how much are those plays affected by teams preparing to stop him as a runner it, it, it's 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 a complicated thing i mean i get it and 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 he's definitely now i think uh passed to a tag of Iowa, uh yeah. as the most likely yeah. non-mahomes candidate um tag of Iowa because of the time he missed basically he needed to be the best passer in the league period and you can't say that now after the past two weeks so i do think it's a two-horse race now with hurts and mahomes Hertz also benefits from this being new. Like all these, you know, he was good. Like he was okay previous years, but he has taken not just a step forward, but multiple steps forward this year. Um, Mahomes is, you know, good as usual, you know? So there's a bit of, I guess, fatigue in the mind of, of, of some people out there. Like well, all these hurt, new Hertz highlights are amazing and new and fantastic. And of course, Mahomes is going to throw the ball blindfolded behind his back, you know, while uh, yeah. flying out of bounds. He does that every week. That, that, that is definitely a thing in sports awards vote, voting. Um, uh, voting fatigue, award fatigue, but yes, the voters are often looking for fresh new face. And uh, at, the, at, at the age of twenty six or twenty seven, or whatever Holmes is, he, he's he's yesterday's news. So, yeah. uh, but as I mentioned, the Eagles are one of our top seven teams. Uh, we'll go through these here in order, but we have seven teams right now with a DVOA of twenty percent or higher, and then a big drop off. The eighth team, Miami, is only at twelve point nine percent. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, why don't you go point over out, this is this is weighted DVOA of twenty oh, percent higher. A couple of these teams are a little bit lower for the full season, but for weighted, they're all at twenty percent or higher. And yeah, there's a gap between the top seven and Miami. Right, and and, and weighted DVOA for our new uh, listeners slash viewers uh, basically just gives more weight to to more recent games and discounts games from September. So it's it's more of a measure of who's been playing well lately, and that has the San Francisco 49ers right now as the number one team in the NFL. Yes, San Francisco, number one, Eagles, number two, then a little bit of a gap, and then Buffalo, number three, then another little bit of a gap, and then Dallas, number four. Baltimore, number five, who we have higher than anybody else, I still feel like on a play-by-play basis, they've played very well. Bengals, sixth, Chiefs, seventh. Yeah, and those seven teams combined have a Super Bowl uh, winning percentage in our, our forecast of 94.3%. So I think it's fairly safe to say these are your contenders this season. I mean, yes. everyone else has been good, but it would be a surprise if your champion came from outside of this group. I mean, no disrespect to Miami, who we have eighth, but now that it looks like people have figured out how to beat the Miami offense and their defense has not been good all year anyway, I think they're not one of the leading contenders. I went over, uh, it was a couple weeks ago on the, on the, the coach ranking show I do with Ian, um, but we're talking about why why Baltimore is so much higher in our rankings than public uh, uh, or common perception. Um, and 
I went over their their losses, and we, I think we all know about their struggles in fourth and short, you know, situations, and they they, they tend to be aggressive in fourth down uh, situations, and it doesn't always work out, work out for them. And I, I found out there was like six plays on fourth downs where, uh, or, or in in their four close losses, there were like six six fourth down plays that five of them went the opponent's way. And if, if you switch two or three of them, it's two or three more wins. It re- it's a football cliche, but in this case, it's very much true. The Ravens are a very small handful number of plays from a much better win-loss record. And uh, we kind of expect going forward that that small handful of plays will even out and go their way, start to go their way later in the season. So, Right. Um, not, you know, not that they'll, you know, no gambler's fallacy here, but, you know, that they're certainly going to do more like the average team does, not like exactly. so far. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it, it, yes, it, they're not going to suddenly become a great fourth down team. They're going to be an average fourth down team, and that will make their win-loss percentage go up a lot because the, the margin is so slim. Um, so uh, that – 49ers are number one in weighted DVOA. So, uh, Brian, this gives you a chance to talk about your, your favorite team. All right. I'll, 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 walk, guys. You guys uh, enjoy the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll be Brock's advocate for today. Uh, the, the Niners – as we all expected, this was a possibility that, you know, Brock Purdy in his first NFL start was benched at the end of the game because the 49ers were stomping all over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had a passing DVOA of 100 uh, percent, which is the best of the week, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around. In the first half alone, Purdy had 185 passing yards, three touchdowns, 131 passing DYIR and a 92.2% passing DVOA. Uh, He doesn't end up setting any records that I could find because he basically did not do anything for the second half. I think he was two for three for zero yards, and then... Zero yards. Literally all his yards came in the first half. That was my favorite nugget. I do believe it is the most first-half passing DYAR for a quarterback making their first start. So I'm going to slice that stat even smaller. I'm going to guess that that is true. Yeah, we yeah. Get, we haven't gone back and looked, but I'm going to bet that that is true. I, I looked at you know I looked at Cam Newton's first start, and I looked at a number of these other huge starts in the past. I could not find anything bigger, so I'm going to I'm going to stick my flag there. Oh, for the game, he had a uh, 63.7 passing DVOA, which is the highest for a 49er quarterback this season, just pipping out Garoppolo's performance against the Cardinals uh, in Mexico City. And I think this is my favorite stat of the day. Uh, Purdy had two passing touchdowns of 20 or more air yards in the second quarter. The other 49ers combined have had two passing touchdowns of 20 air yards or more this season. Garoppolo has one, and Christian McCaffrey has one. I mean, this is I, I can't explain what, what we saw on Sunday. Uh, I don't think Purdy was fantastic or perfect. Like that. I think a lot of this is obviously things being schemed up for him, but he was playing he was playing the scheme as well as any other quarterback has this season for the 49ers. I will say I like that Purdy is the first quarterback to beat Tom Brady in his first career start. Uh, previously, 0-7, and these names are great. Luke McCown. Matt Flynn, Tyler Palco, Jake Locker, EJ Manuel, Tyrod Taylor, and Luke Falk. There's a bit of an asterisk on Taylor because that his game against Brady was his first start as a quarterback because Buffalo did a weird thing week one that year where they opened in a wildcat formation with Taylor at wide receiver because the Bills never knew what the heck they were doing with Tyrod Taylor uh, in general. But yeah, the yeah, Purdy's. Purdy is the first first quarterback to beat Brady in his first start. 
and in the game with the largest age gap between quarterbacks in NFL history. I, I, I don't know what to say. It, yeah. it, Hitchhiker's it's, Pie is right, by the way. That was Matt Flynn. That was the Dan Connolly kick return game. And when he says Mariota 2015, I think he's suggesting that maybe Mariota had a better first half in his first start against Tampa. I think it was against Tampa in 2015. We'll have to go back and look at that. I I don't believe he did. I believe I checked that one. And he might get over when he included rushing. I didn't check rushing as well. So maybe maybe combined that gets over. Uh, 49ers defense is the first in DVOA since week eight. It's first overall if you leave out the Chiefs game week seven where they got destroyed. Although there's an interesting defensive split by down. And remember, this is my advertisement. You can get all the defensive splits by down in the FO Plus database by becoming an FO Plus subscriber. The 49ers are the number one defense on first down, number six on second down, and only 15th on third and fourth down. That does that does check out the subjective spirit to watch them. So often it's a big sack on first down and then a miracle reception on third and like 12. It's like, okay, well, we'll do it again. Yeah. yeah. There's a 49ers thing. Maybe it's a, a scheme thing. I'm not sure. But last year they were very good overall, except terrible against deep passes. They were 30, 30, next to last or second to last against deep passes, I think. This year is not quite that bad, but uh, sixth in DVOA against uh, – uh, excuse me, that's, that's uh, middle of the field. Uh, second in DVOA against short passes, only 21st against deep passes. So yeah. they, they will allow chunk plays. It's the closest thing they have to a weakness in their armor. Yeah, a lot yes. of that is they have so much talent and money and capital in that defensive line that if they get if they get held, if they get blocked and they give them time, the cornerbacks are certainly better than they were last year, but they you can, you can get open yeah. against them. Uh, so we have a note here on Tom Brady and uh, Tua Tagovailoa, two guys who avoided interceptions all year, except when they play the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, they both had uh, three interceptions all year headed into their games against the 49ers, and then two picks each when they played San Francisco's defense. That's the thing, that's the that's the real takeaway I think from their their search here is that the defense has been so incredibly good that the offense only has to be all right in order for them to keep keep being up here. And instead, it's been awesome. Yes, especially against Arizona <laughs> and then against Tampa. So. Yeah, I, I I can't explain that. It, it, they have the highest variance in the league, and which is you should be expected when you've started three different quarterbacks over the course of the year. Right, and we had one game in a monsoon in week one. And yes. that too, and that too. So uh, you mentioned the uh, 49ers are uh, number one in weighted DVOA, and that's because of the top five uh, top five games teams played this season. The 49ers have two of them in the past four weeks. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 uh, this week's win over the Buccaneers was, fi- was the fifth best of the year, or the Mexico City win over the Cardinals was the fourth best of the year, both at about 84% DVOA. They're also involved in the best DVOA game of the year. They just uh, didn't win that one. Uh, yeah. The Chiefs were at 130% when they destroyed yeah. the 90s in the second the half. 49ers are at about minus 70% for that game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is good. He, he's, he's not that good. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was, that second half was uh, a drubbing in every way possible. So again, high variance. Normally, weighted DVOA has slightly higher correlated with playoff success than regular DVOA. Yes. Slightly. It's hard for me to really say that about the 49ers just because they've their roster has changed so much from all the injuries and whatnot. The fact that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, the Purdy is different than Garoppolo is different than Lance. Now Debo but also no, D- no Debo until the playoffs. Yeah. But he, they now saying he might come back by the regular season as the injury apparently gets less severe every time they glance at it. 
which is amazing because I was sure when he was like sobbing me taking off the card that that was it. He was done. He was out for the entire year. Uh, but now they're saying, oh, no, he's got a minor knee sprain and a little bit of ankle sprain. He could be back in two weeks, which would I, there's no reason for him to be back in two weeks because it's like the Niners are going to be locked into the second or third seed. Sit him, yeah. rest him, let him be healthy for the playoffs. It's just astonishing that it that uh, it's not as bad as 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 it originally looked. Because I, I thought that was, I thought that was a season ender. Absolutely. Wasn't there a story two or three weeks ago where former 49ers running back Raheem Mostert was accusing the team of trying to rush him back from injury when he played there? Yep. And uh, don't the 49ers rank high in adjusted games lost every single season? Yep. <laughs> I would be very careful and delicate. I'd say Debo, let's just uh, ice up. And yeah. yeah. Maybe play a, play like a quarter or a half in week 18 just to get back into shape. But like, you know, Sure. You get, get, get back into yeah. a game routine. What you know, get me used to suiting up and warming up, taking up, preparing and getting a few snaps and getting off the field. Yeah. Um, I think that there's something, there's something to that, but um, yeah, this, the 17 game season, seven team playoff field, it, it's, it encourages teams to not ride their players into the ground so much. So the 49ers should not ride their players into the ground. If they don't have to. Um, it's also worth noting. We're talking about the players and injuries that Brock Purdy is day to day at the moment with a strained oblique. Uh, that's right. They do play Starter number four against the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. We we, we expect Freddy to play, but you know this yeah. could be. We, it's theoretical we could see Josh Johnson and Nate Gray uh, on Thursday night football if the worst comes to worst. And I believe the 49ers will still be favored at this point <laughs> because the Seahawks Probably. can't stop yep. any running game at all, and the 49ers are still really good at running. Yes. So if the Niners win on Thursday, they will be the second team to clinch a, play, a playoff berth this season. They'll clinch the division, I think, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll clinch the division if they beat the Seahawks this yeah. week. And then Seattle will be not, not quite dead in the water, but desperately trying to make it ground to the wild card race. Uh, so we've talked about the 49ers. We talked about a little bit about the uh, uh, Eagles. Okay. Talk about some of these other teams here in the top seven, the Bills and Cowboys and Chiefs, who are great teams, who or at least very, very good teams this year, who are maybe not so great in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, they, they all won last week, but they all came out of it with a little bit of, you know, uh, negativity, a little bit of problems. Like like the Bills, uh, we nearly had the first scoreless half, I think it was in 15 years, first scoreless first half in nearly 15 years between the Bills and the Jets as neither offense could get anything going. Uh, I mean, the Bills are still the only team in the top five in both offensive and defensive DVOA, but they've dropped a little bit in the past couple of weeks as they still haven't quite... They haven't kind of recaptured that early season form where they look like they could beat anyone at any time. Uh, Josh Allen, his passing DVOA before the bye was at 29%. Since the bye, uh, it's at negative 3%. Yeah. yeah. Something that is the receivers are not playing up to quality. Like Gabriel Davis has not had big games, and Isaiah McKenzie, except against the Patriots, has not had big games, which is why they've brought Cole Beasley back. and. Yeah, bringing Colby's back to this point indicates that there's a bit of a problem going on there because this is not something you want to be adding in the middle. He's not so good that oh, this is this is gonna this is not Odell Beckham. This is not or something like that coming in. This no. is a this is a in, we in are any way, this is not Odell Beckham. Yeah, uh, I, I still think the Bills are gonna re- regain that form. I I still I feel trust in Josh Allen that he's not gonna turn back to twenty uh, you know to rookie year Josh Allen or anything like that. But it, it's been a, a disquieting couple months for Bills fans, I think. Again, when you see stats like this, I don't understand why we always talk about Mahomes and Allen in one breath. There's a difference. Mahomes doesn't dip like this. Yeah, absolutely. Allen 
has these dips. He has these great games where he seems supernatural. And then he has these dips. Mahomes doesn't have the dips. Yeah, but that, yeah, that, that's why. I think it goes back to the uh, voter fatigue slash award fatigue we were talking about. People. Um, well, I'm just talking about when people in general talk about how, oh, you need a quarterback like, you know, they always say Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Allen. No, yeah. I'm sorry. It's not Mahomes and Allen. It's Mahomes and Allen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. But uh, people don't always want to uh, uh, live in a little bit of denial. They don't quite realize what they're seeing is as good as it is. <laughs> like These are the good old days, folks. Patrick Mahomes Chiefs are the are, are the good old days. It's, it's something you're going to remember 20 years from now and just just enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, and, and and yeah, there is a gap between Mahomes and Allen, and a gap between Mahomes and Tagovailoa, and frankly, a gap between Mahomes and Hurts, and anyone else you want to name. If, if, if your question is if your award goes to best quarterback, it's Patrick Mahomes, period, slam dunk. Um, yeah. And that's that's just that's just that. John Coleman, by the way, is asking in the comments about my feelings about Seattle and San Francisco. Yes. Seattle yeah. allows a lot of rushing yards. The 49ers do not allow any rushing yards. The 49ers like to run, and Seattle's running backs are injured. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. agree with you. I think San Francisco is going to win. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be close. San Francisco is the better team. Yeah. And San Francisco, he's, he's got some numbers here where they're, they're routinely, routinely running for 150 yards or more every game. Seahawks routinely giving up 150 or even 200 yards a game all the time. Uh, and the, the Seahawks overall – especially on defense, the overall DVOA numbers are boosted by that four-game win streak they had. But that was over the Cardinals twice and the Giants and the Chargers. Since Munich, since the Munich game, their defense has once again been bad. It was it was horrible the first month. Great for a month against some bad teams. Horrible since then. And I think uh, that four-game win streak, everyone, that's the anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask why they gotten so good or bad. Ask how on earth they managed to play that good for 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 a short spell. So um, other teams that shouldn't panic after one bad week, the Dallas Cowboys dropped from first to fourth after nearly blowing it to the Houston Texans, Mm -hmm. minus 33% DVOA for this game. Uh, Yet it is the first time the Cowboys have won double-digit games in back-to-back years since 1996. The Cowboys have been good for a long time, but this – McCarthy has them winning like consistently on a way they haven't done since since the glory days. But man, because remember that if you're a Cowboys fan, your number one feeling always has to be like we're going to be let down in the biggest moments because that's been the experience of being a Cowboys fan for two decades. Now. Nothing's going to change that until it doesn't happen. Exactly, you know. <laughs> and what Washington nearly lose as a 17 point favorite to the Houston Texans, where, where the Texans were one failed fourth down conversion away from winning that game. You know, the Texans played it really perfectly, and they screwed up one time, and then for the Cowboys won. That is not fun. That 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 cannot. That that has to be one of the least fun wins of the year. This would have been one of the oh, greatest sure. regular season upsets in history. Yeah, seventeen point five point favorites. And it wasn't fluky. It wasn't like there was a blocked punt in there. Or no, I guess it was, Houston outplayed. In fact, it was fluky that Dallas won. Houston yeah. outplayed Dallas in that yeah. game. Despite that muffed punt by uh, Turpin, that was not the difference. Like overall, Houston out Houston had more yards per play. Houston outplayed Dallas. 
and and they had the the failed fourth down run. Uh, you know, the, the, with a chance to ice the game, they went and they went, went for the touchdown to the field goal, which you know, even in hindsight, we can see is the right move because Dallas did in fact score a touchdown. So uh, field goal there would not have won the game for Houston, but. Uh, that's really it. They had, they, they, they had first and goal, I think, of the eight, and uh, handed off to uh, uh, Damian Pierce four times and did not score. And uh, that that left Dallas an opening, and Dallas did what they needed to do. Yeah, you got to you got to tip your hat when you uh, the team goes a ninety-eight yard game-winning touchdown. I mean, that is, that is, that is a, a drive that yeah. At some point Houston's post game post game win expectancy was Houston ninety percent. Oh, yeah, that's high. Yeah, this was not a this was not a Fluky game. Houston outplayed Dallas. Yeah. In many ways, it's the best possible result for Houston. You look good, you have a good time, and you don't hurt your draft position. So, I mean, that, right. that's, yeah, fantastic. For Bryce the Young, ladies and gentlemen. Bryce, Bryce. <laughs> uh, another team high in our rankings had a bad week, had, no, had another ugly win, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. The higher in our rankings, but higher pretty much everywhere else because yes. we don't like the defense. It's not just defense, because if you look at EPA per play compared to us, they also have their defense down around 25th, I think. The difference is third downs in the first six weeks of the season. For some reason, we have them rated a lot lower. Like, we have them as the best team on third downs in the first six weeks of the season, whereas, like, EPA has them as uh, the greatest achievement by human beings in the history of humanity. I see was the Kansas City Chiefs on third downs in the first six weeks of the season. Like, they discovered fusion reaction. Wow. Like, it's just the first six weeks, and it's just third downs, but for some reason, other metrics that are all based on EPA think that was the greatest thing ever, and we don't. So that's, like, actually the biggest difference between us and everyone else. Is that offense, defense, or both? Offense. Interesting. Offense. Because if you look at the first six weeks of the season – we have their offense at the top of the league and they have an EPA has their offense, like the greatest offense of all time. Okay. Yeah. That, that's that, that's even the, the, the eye test. They were, they were, they were, they were, they, they are very, very good. Don't get us wrong, but. Oh uh, yeah. I yeah. think it's a little weird. I agree. Yeah. I, 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 and I think overall, I think, I think the chiefs are a very good team. I think the chiefs could definitely win the super bowl. I don't yeah. understand why everybody feels why they're well, not everybody. I don't understand why a lot of people feels like, they are clearly the best team in the league. They keep doing things like this. Yeah. They keep doing things like 34 to 28 over a bad team. Like yeah. they're not the best team in the league. They're a very good team with a good chance of winning it all. I know there there is this I, I hesitate to even call it a theory going around, you know, like like the, this this belief by a large number of fans that oh, the Chiefs just you know coach through the regular season because they know they can turn it on just like that. right. That was the theory yeah. in 2020. Yeah, These... and then they went into the Super Bowl, and then they got spanked. Yeah. <laughs> also, like I I know oh the offensive line was hurt. I know the offensive line was hurt in that game. Whatever they got spanked. It proved that they're not invulnerable. Everybody said yes. invulnerable. They're invulnerable. They're inevitable. They're like Thanos. The Chiefs are going to win it all. It's not inevitable. They're not the best team in the league this year. They're a very good team with a good chance to win it all. I'm not going to be proven wrong if they win it all because they're a very good team, but they are not playing like the best team in the league. You know, 
Although being said, I still am more terrified of the Chiefs than I am of almost any other team because Patrick Mahomes can do anything at any point in time and is the best quarterback right. football, as we keep saying. I just feel like you can then do anything on their defense. And <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. I mean, Broncos scored 28 points. That that I, I believe that was the most this season. But and, Denver Broncos scored yeah. 28 points, everyone. I was expecting yeah. to come here with all kinds of stats but how good the Broncos game was offensively. But no, they had some terrible interceptions. And the Chiefs defense, as previously stated, is garbage. So, yeah. Uh, Andy yeah. Reid Andy Reed now has 10 or more wins in 17 seasons. Only Don Shula and Bill Belichick have done it more often. Andy Reid Andy Reed should should be in that same conversation when we talk about the the very best coaches of all time. And I feel like he doesn't quite get into that tier when, when people talk about... I don't think he's quite in that tier. Yeah. I, I think, I think he's, he's in the second tier. I mean, yes, he's, 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 not, he's, not, he's not on, he's not on a, a Mount Rushmore or however you want to phrase it. But he's not in like the fifth tier. And I think that he doesn't quite get enough praise into the like. I, I see people like still thinking like, is he a Hall of Fame coach? I see that debate sometimes around like Reed has been just consistently one of the best coaches in the league for two for a generation. Oh yeah, as soon as he retires, he'll yeah. Go in. yeah I, I did not realize I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention to the Hall yeah. of Fame these days, but that I did not realize that was a debate. I don't know what the yeah. argument against him would be. Yeah, he only won one Super Bowl. Yes, that seems like a bad argument to me. <laughs> I, I fully agree, but you know they, they want a fish full of rings, or, or a cool yeah. hat, or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a lot to be said for a good cool hat these days. Yeah, um, yeah just looking over the, the, the these this Broncos stats, I, I think um, maybe people don't realize just how much difficulty they've had scoring points this year. 28 points against Kansas City, most they've scored all season, mm-hmm. uh, including 21 in the first half. They've only scored 21 in a game two other times. They had 23 against Las Vegas in Week Four. 21 against Jacksonville in week eight. And, um, and oh, by the way, when they score 21 or more points, they're, they're one and two. So. <laughs> yeah. Still last in points per game. Not, not last in offensive DVOA because a lot of this mm-hmm. is just, they have no idea what to do in the red zone. Uh, yeah. But I'm still holding out hope that they can be, have the fewest points scored and the fewest points allowed, but the defense has just fallen off. Yeah, over the defense the past has month. really fallen off in the last few weeks. There, there's still a chance, but the defense is going to have to really step it up over the last four weeks if they're going to achieve that that particular random goal of mine. You can yeah, do it, Marcos. Avoid the end zone at all costs. Well, the good news, Brian, they're very good at that. They've had 10 games where they scored 16 points or less, and three of those were in overtime. So they had extra chances to score. So, yeah, this this Denver offense, um, no bueno. Just zero, zero bueno. Enjoy them on Christmas uh, Day, folks. <laughs> yeah. Baker Mayfield, uh, Brett Rippon, maybe on, on, on Christmas Day. We have maybe that to look forward to. Um, speaking of other teams that uh better than the Broncos, but not as good as their record, the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. Yeah. Um, Bill Walsh once had a state uh, had a quote that there are only eight teams in any given year that you have to worry about. And by record, the Minnesota Vikings would be the eighth team to join our top seven. That's that's only only by record. They're, they're ten and three, with a negative seven percent DVOA. This is our weekly. The Vikings are terrible stat. Uh, they are the first team in history with ten and three with a negative DVOA. Uh, I believe the previous record was at five percent by the Cardinals in, in the two thousand. Previous record was like plus two percent by the twenty fourteen Cardinals, where Carson Palmer got injured halfway through the season. That's the one. The Vikings allowed 464 yards against the Detroit Lions. And while the Lions have a very prolific offense, this is becoming a pattern for the Vikings. It's the fifth straight game which they've allowed at least 400 yards. That's a franchise record. 
They have a defensive DBOA of 12.2% over the last five weeks as everyone and anyone is is running up major yards on the Vikings. I I like the list of the 10 teams with 10 wins, point differential. Eagles plus 138, Bills plus 132, Cowboys plus 131, Vikings minus one. it's just insane. They have a worse the worst point differential than the Jaguars, who are who are on life support in the AFC South, and they have a worse point differential than the Lions, who all of a sudden are sneaking in there at the very bottom of the, of the NFC playoff picture. They're not yeah. dead. They've been the best, second best team by DBA behind the 49ers over the last four weeks at 36.4. percent yeah. If you know, if the Seahawks keep floundering, if someone loses the Giants Commanders game, which as we learned last week is not necessarily a given, but you know, there is an opening if they can keep things going. Yeah, it's uh, someone asked me, I, I posted the uh, the, the playoff uh, chances if depending on who wins that game. And someone said, what if they tie again? I'm sorry, t- ties are not in the simulator. There are yeah. so, I, I, I crunch all these playoff scenarios every week. And there are a bunch of there this week that are, you know, this will happen. Assuming there's a winner on Sunday night. Assuming somebody wins. Doesn't matter who. But, you know, it's. It's like, I guess I have to write that down now because we all saw. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I found looking, the Lions have a huge home road split in passing DVOA. 33.5% at home, 1.0% on the road. And that is adjusting for indoors. And it's worth noting that three of their four final games are on the road. So if they are going to make this late desperation playoff push, they're going to have to improve that split. Yes. John Coleman is talking a lot in the comments about Tua Tagovailoa having to play in snow on uh, the possibility that he'll have to play in snow on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't feel good about uh, Tua and the offense that has been discovered how to beat it against the Bills in the the Bills defense with everyone except Von Miller healthy in the snow. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. They They brought heaters to the sideline in Los Angeles in a, in a at least half indoor stadium. I, I have very. I, I think often warm weather, cold weather teams are a bit overstated. I don't think this is overstated. I think I think the Dolphins are not going to have a good time. Well, it's also going to be very very cold weather too. This, this isn't like a forty degree day. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's going to be like nineteen or something. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty-five. So we we are we are kind of bouncing around a lot. I do want to say one a couple of things about Minnesota and Detroit. Um, usually, when you have a team with a stellar win loss record and not so good in the advanced stats. We're kind of the the the, the voice in the dark shouting that uh, this team is not as good as, as they appear to be, and, and it's it's not necessarily uh, a, a common opinion. Minnesota is the first team I can remember that fits this kind of profile, where the general public seems aware they're not as good as the record. They were yeah. Underdog. This is um this is the uh, triumph of advanced stats in the media, I, and there's no question this is hugely different than what we went through with like the Atlanta Falcons and whatever year that was 2006 or the Panthers in 2003 or yeah you know teams from the early days of football outsiders like there is a demonstrable difference in how people some of it is Vegas Vegas is smarter now than Vegas was 20 years ago to make Minnesota the you know the underdog against the Jets and the underdog against the Lions but they're the favorites this week against the Colts well (laughs) Uh, this they're not a horrible team. They're just not as yeah. good as the record suggests. Um, but I, you know, I even uh, I saw um, uh, Robert Griffin was noting that hey, they, I mean, they won a lot of games, but they've 
a lot of more points than they allow. That sounds like, or see, they've allowed more points than they scored. That's that's yeah. not a good team right there. So um, yeah, the, 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 the it, it's changing. It's it's changing. People are then, talking about point differential more than they ever have before. People meaning not just advanced stats nerds, but people like Robert Griffin. Yeah. Yep. And uh, on Detroit, people are kind of wondering how this is all getting done. How how, the, how is this team suddenly winning so many games? Uh, I can't help but note here that uh, Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff, third in the league in, in uh, DYAR, fourth in DVOA, and one of those guys above him in DVOA is Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's he has been or he has been the quarterback of maybe the NFC's best passing attack all season, and um, it's it's. I'm not saying Jared Goff is MVP, but I'm saying when you fill out your NFC Pro Bowl games ballot, uh, Jared Goff should definitely be one of your quarterbacks. I, I've been grappling with the, with the Pro Bowl because that's going to be the uh, the article for Thursday this week. And the like pretty much half the NFC uh, quarterbacks are at least in discussion because of the lower quality of the NFC quarterbacks. But yeah, you know, Goff seems like as good a choice as anyone else at the very least and as prolific yeah. as, as can be. I, I will say this, which is, first of all, I think it's a great argument for Ben Johnson as assistant coach of the year, mm. their offensive coordinator. Um, Hitchhiker Pie points out there's a very wide disparity between PFF grades and production by DYAR, and I understand that. I mean, one is grading, one is production, and the other one is sort of grading, Opinion. You, know, a, you know, watching film and grading how well they think he's throwing and whatever. Um, I will note, a little secret. The um, I haven't ever had time to put the dome, not dome adjustments in the individual stats. That is why Goff comes out a little higher in individual mm-hmm. stats than he does the Lions do in team DVOA. So Goff would be a little bit lower if you did adjust for what he's done indoors versus outdoors. Okay. Uh, but I still he would still be like third or fourth in the league. <laughs> yeah. I think he would still be. There's up. a pretty big gap here. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty big gap between uh, him and uh, like fourth or fifth. So, yeah. like, it doesn't change the fact that he's having a really, really productive. Yeah. Season. That it's uh, Mahomes and DYR Mahomes number one with about thirteen hundred, then a bit of a drop off. Tagovailoa and Goff are tied with about eleven hundred and about a thousand, and that's also considering you know Tagovailoa missed some time. But this is a big drop off to Josh Allen at fourth with eight hundred. So. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, I think it, that even if you put it in a Justin for the domes, he wouldn't drop below Allen. Yeah. Hey, Spice says, do I just, I just, when do I just indoor outdoor? It's adjusted in the team stats. And I don't remember exactly because the adjustment is based on down and distances, not just indoor outdoor. So it's, I can't say the typical dome quarterback is X. I don't know exactly. No, it's like one or it's like one or two, maybe like 2%, maybe like 2% passing DVOA in the team stats, something like that. The one thing while we're on quarterback DVOA, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo rose to second place this week. I, I, I have a little bit. I, if Tua keeps falling, there is an out yeah. there is an outside chance that Garoppolo will end up leading the league in passing DVOA this season, despite uh, you know being lost for the year. So I, I've got to get my fingers crossed for that because that'd be a funny story. That 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 that'd be a fun one to uh, look back and go, how the heck did this happen? Like the year Case Keenum left the league. Exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Huh. If a free agent quarterback led the league in DVOA, that's a story. That that's gonna be uh that'd be interesting. When Michael Jordan was playing his uh last season with the Washington Wizards and uh was not the same Michael Jordan he had been, and his career scoring average kept dropping. And uh as one writer put it, I because if it kept dropping, he would 
fall below uh, Wilt Chamberlain. And as one writer noted, his season is so, going so bad, his career record is about to be passed by a dead man. <laughs> and uh, just to answer Hitchhiker's Pie, at some point, I'm going to add the dome adjustments into the individual stats. And it might even be this offseason. So I'm playing around with it a little bit. So it's coming. Moving on, uh, we talked about the Chiefs, but they're, or, or pardon me, the Dolphins. <laughs> I forgot what team he's on now. Tyreek Hill, everyone, uh, continues to do things we have not seen before. This is a stat that really shocked me when it came on on, uh, on Sunday night, because I assumed that the answer to it would have been Gale Sayers or something. But Hill is the first player in the Super Bowl era to score a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a kick return touchdown, a punt return touchdown, and a fumble return touchdown in his career. Fumble return touchdowns are very rare for offensive players. Yeah, they really are. But like, if you if you told me that someone had done that, I would assume this had been done in the sixties by Sayers or by someone along those lines. I will add an asterisk here. I am pretty sure that if you include the postseason, Deion Sanders has done this. I'm pretty sure he had a rushing touchdown for Dallas in, in a playoff game against Green Bay, and I know we had all the others. So that's interesting. You might be right about that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's oh. that's interesting. I didn't I did not catch that at the very least. I will quickly not only did you not catch that, Elias Sports Bureau, whoever put out the stat, did not catch that. There, there is this weird thing where uh maybe with the 50-yard qualifier. He's the first Hill is the first player in the Super Era yeah. to score a 50-yard touchdown in five different ways, which is insane. Uh, but yeah. It was because it was such a strange play, too. I mean Oh, it was bizarre. Like the the ball should have been down at least twice before you know Hill got to it. It just it baffled the announcer's mind so, so much they were thinking, well, did they intentionally like they intentionally knock it back with you know like because something they had to be planned. It couldn't be just that crazy and random. But it's one of my favorite plays to watch on the next gen stats dots because it's essentially a twenty two man were and then one very well the same size dot but. One dot is very, very fast. Just loops around the outside and is way faster than everybody else. Suddenly, it's uh, it, it, it is uh, not the way you draw it up. It will not be on anyone's highlight reel or, or, or coaching tape. But it was a lot of fun, a lot of silly, silly fun uh, on what was not a very fun day for Miami overall. If there's no, Dolphins had more. On that Dolphins had more first half yards on the fumble recovery than they had on offense. Yeah. And I just, I, I just looked it up, Vince. You are correct. Deion Sanders had a rushing touchdown in the 1995 playoffs against uh, against the Eagles, which makes him have all those five. Oh, sorry, yes, against the Eagles, and okay. all. Uh, he also now has all five of those touchdowns, plus it's the sixth one of the interception return, which Tyreek Hill has not yet done. John That's Coleman. True. John Coleman says Kyler is done for the year. With the mm -hmm. eye test, it looks like Colt McCoy is actually better. Yes, the Cardinals actually have a better DVOA this year in Colt McCoy's three games than they do in Kyler Murray's 10 games. It's and, like by 2%. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, McCoy won some games as a starter the year before, too. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, mean I, I still think you'd rather have Kyler than McCoy, but the drop-off is not as big. Yeah. And the drop-off suggests the drop-off is not as big as it usually is. It's certainly not as big of a drop off as you would hope from a qu quarterback and a coach who just signed a massive extension this offseason. You would that also that, is true. Yeah, you would hope that they would be better than significantly better than Colt McCoy. I yeah, mean, I no, no, nothing in Arizona has gone according to plan, and um, everything needs to be reevaluated. Re but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's controversial to say the team that has won. I think they won four games this year. Um, 
their, their, their quarterback has not played very well. No, <laughs> that's, badly. Um, yeah, that, that, that's that's that, that's fair to say. Um, yeah. All right, before we wrap things up here, just a couple of uh, uh, playoff scenarios as we're now getting to the point where uh, teams are starting to see their seasons end. Yeah, at, at the moment, at the moment, uh, only three teams are mathematically out. So unless you are a Texans fan or a Broncos fan or a Bears fan, you still have hope. Technically, a little bit, tiny bit. Uh, but the Cardinals, Rams, Saints, Raiders, Browns, Steelers, and Colts could all be officially knocked out this week. So uh, last chance saloon for some of the worst teams in the league there. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, Vikings, Niners, Bills, and Chiefs can all officially punch their playoff ticket, as we all expect them to do. They're, that that wraps off every single one of our top seven teams, except for the Ravens, who are in a tough battle with the Bengals atop the AFC North and are without their starting quarterback for at least another week or two. Yeah, but I think the Ravens and Bengals are both going. They're just not going yeah. this week. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. The most significant game this week is Sunday Night Football. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's Washington. Thursday night, Thursday night Football. Oh, sorry. No, uh, no, I'm talking about the the Commanders and Giants on Sunday night. I'm, I'm oh, not, yeah. Uh, the most significant I, game is Sunday Night Football, Commanders and Giants. Sorry. Yeah, because, uh, again, assuming there's a winner, uh, the winner of that game is going to be at, at 85 to 90% chance to make, to make the playoffs. And the loser is going to be from 25, about 25 or 30% chance to make the playoffs. This is, this is, it's not quite a win and in game, but it's about the closest you're going to get, uh, you know, on, you know, in the middle of December. It, it, yeah. it Basically, the, the winner is probably in and the loser has to compete with Seattle and Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good way to simplify that. Well, I think that then is going to do it for this week. Uh, I do want to thank all our listeners for uh, joining in. I also want to thank our friends at Underdog Fantasy. You can play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. If your season-long fantasy teams are floundering, floundering, you can play Underdog's Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place or try their pick'em games where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. I also want to remind everyone, go sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, premium articles, all these DV away by downs and home and road and uh, run run pass down a distance, down a play type, a, a thousand, thousand splits you can uh, uh, spend your day going through, and an ad-free experience, which I know is a big thing for a lot of people. And last but not least, you can join us at the Football Outsiders Discord. We're in there every Sunday. You can talk with Football Outsiders staff about the games that are going on and uh, tell us why we're wrong about things if you want to. <laughs> join the fun, join the conversation on the Football Outsiders Discord. So I think that is going to do it for this week. I want to thank Aaron for being here. I want to thank Brian for being here. And I want to thank all of you listeners for being here. See you all in seven days. <laughs>